once people have had their babies, they come back and I introduce them to this idea of calm parenting, which is not about being a calm parent all the time, but being more connected to the greater meaning of what parenting is and the opportunity that parenting provides us to grow into that bigger version of ourselves. So a lot of the programs that my centre offers is not so much focused on what we need to get out of children or how to teach them or mould them or control them or discipline them, but actually working with the parents, helping them to unlock their potential and their capacity to connect with their child and helping them on their growth path. Your lifelong passions, dreams and aspirations, your joys and creative spurs, your femininity, your success, all in one place. This is Girl Skill with your host, Anna Rova. Hi, girlfriends. Before you listen to this episode on Girl Skill Podcast, I quickly want to jump in and make you a personal recommendation for the goddess kit that comes from Rosie Rees, founder of Yoni Pleasure Palace and Naked Yoga, who's also been my guest on episode 31, which has been one of the top ever downloaded episodes on this podcast. So the goddess kit is actually a jade yoni egg and a rose quartz pleasure wand that comes in a beautiful black box with pouches for safekeeping. And it's really a self-pleasure as a self-care practice. So the Yoni egg, you can think about it as weight for Kegel exercises. And what it does is it has amazing benefits to it. It strengthens your pelvic floor, which helps a lot with weak bladder. It prevents prolapse. It rehabilitates the pelvic floor after childbirth, which is like my case. And since I've been using it, in fact, you know, after I interviewed Rosie, I said, you need to get this for me, for my husband. And so he bought it for me and I've been using it. And I have seen quite a few amazing results. And since then, I also have gifted it to my girlfriend friends. So besides all of these benefits, you'll also become more sensitive rather than numb to pleasure, switching on the vaginal nerve endings to be more receptive to internal orgasms. And it also helps with the lubrication, which particularly can occur for women who have hit menopause. So it's basically for all women, young or old, and think about it as a crossfit for your vagina. Another thing that's included in the goddess kit is the pleasure wand. And the pleasure wand is really a self-pleasure practice rather than, you know, using all these rubber and silicone vibrators to just get it off and it becomes a deeply nourishing practice. You can put it under warm water, use your favorite lubricant and it can enhance your internal orgasms. So girlfriends, I highly recommend you check it out. Go to girlskill.com slash pleasure and you'll read more about the whole kit and Rosie has been very generous to offer a 15% discount for the pleasure kit but also you can use it in, in her whole store. So use girlskill at checkout, call girlskill at check out and again go to girlskill.com slash pleasure to find out more about it and now let's jump into this episode all right girlfriends welcome to another amazing episode on the girl skill podcast thank you so much for being here if you're new to the podcast welcome and thank you for being here as well and i'm super excited today because i just finished the interview with my guest her name is tracy anderson askew she's a calm birth and calm parent facilitator that I personally have been to both of these courses and we just had an amazing conversation. So I can't wait for you to listen to it. So let me tell you more about Tracy. So she is the director of Calm Birth Canberra and is running also, you know, Calm Parent here in Canberra where I live. She has 12 years of experience working with Calm Birth and 20 years of experience as a childbirth educator and birth support person. 
She has four children and absolutely loves watching people change from being anxious about having their baby to being excited. She also has been a doula, which is very, very exciting and uh, just an amazing woman. You know, we had so much fun. So I would talk with Tracy today. As I mentioned in the interview, so I went through calm birth course with her before having my baby at around 33 weeks and then ended up uh, signing up for the calm parent course that I'm going right now, as you'll hear me talk to Tracy about. So, you know, besides the awesome uh, answers that she gives to all of my cool questions about super fat powers and flashing, I mean, uh, the wildest thing she's done, the femininity and success. She also shares her journey of, you know, having three children in four years and then having another one uh, after seven years. She actually shares with us the story of her birth, of an ecstatic birth with James, her fourth son, and it was just unbelievable. So make sure you listen. It's towards the end. We also talk about, you know, the whole idea of birth and what is a calm birth and her training women and how she got to it. And I, I mean, I went through it and I absolutely loved it and helped me in my birth and how she explains this whole idea of how women basically are taught in fear and in doubt. And it all comes down to you basically not, you're not enough to, to do this. And we're all paralyzed with fear and of, of pain and birth is just crazy. Just get an epidural. I myself have heard so many times, just get an epidural, you know, like, go through that route, why go through the pain where it doesn't have to be like that. So we talk a little bit about that. And we also talk about parenting in general and calm parenting that Tracy is so fascinated with and passionate about teaching. She walks us through all of the foundational principles of calm parent. Like, for example, the identity crisis, the relationships, uh, the relationship with yourself, uh, the love languages, sexuality and sex, rituals and families, and all the other cool stuff. So it's a fascinating interview about parenting, about birth, about womanhood in general, and about Tracy's journey. And stay until the end, of course, that she's going to share with us one amazing book that I recommend on every episode as well. Uh, one podcast that I also love. Tracy and I seem to be on the same path in that. And of course, you know, some of the parenting resources that Tracy recommends, along with the links where you can find more about Tracy and hopefully her course, which I highly, highly recommend is going to be out by the end of 2019. And uh, so incredible wisdom on this episode about everything as usual. And yeah, so enjoy it. And I'll see you at the end. Girl skill, female success, redefined. Today, I have the honor and the privilege to welcome Tracy Anderson, ask you to Girl Skill. Hi, Tracy. Welcome. Oh, hello. It's so lovely to be here. Thank you. Thank you. We are, me and you are in sessions every week on Thursday morning. We are. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a little bit weird and too official for us, but let's just go with the flow and I'm sure we'll ease up into it. So thanks so much, Tracy, for joining me. And as I mentioned to you on the call, I was in your Calm Birth class here in Canberra, Australia, and I'm also part of your Calm Parent group, which I know you're very passionate about and you run these classes every every week for, for different women. And uh, there's also a men's group as well that runs through your center. We're going to talk about all that a little bit later. First, let's get as usual to our some of the juicy questions so that we get to know you better. So Tracy, tell me, what is your superpower? Oh, I'd have to say my superpower is probably to see the funny side of situations and not take life too seriously. So I'm very, very good now <laughs> at being able to roll with them. The absurdity and the chaos and the unpredictability of life. So I'd say, yeah, that's a pretty good superpower. I think I inherited it from my 
mother and my grandmother. We were always very good at um, having a good laugh at life. <laughs> I, it also relates, I guess, to you being an Aussie and also having four children, four sons. Yeah, four sons. Think? That'll do it too. You either learn to have a sense of humour or you go insane, one or the other. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, awesome. What is the one thing that you cannot live without? Oh, time to myself. I'm, I'm, even though I, I'm quite out there and, and putting myself out in front of groups and, and large audiences, I tend to be an introvert by nature. So one of the things I can't do without would have to be time to myself. And then I'd probably add chocolate to that. <laughs> Everybody loves chocolate. <laughs> Dump to yourself while eating chocolate. Is that uh, right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and the odd whiskey too. I'd probably add a whiskey. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> if you're looking for Trace and can't find her, she's probably eating chocolate and drinking whiskey. There you go, yeah, by herself. Under a log in the bush somewhere. <laughs> All right, love it. What is the best gift that you've ever received? Best gift I've ever received a holiday to Hawaii. Mm. Yeah, my husband surprised me with that little one. He, um, We were visiting my mother at the Gold Coast and when we were flying home, he, instead of driving to the domestic terminal, he drove me to the Hawaiian, the international terminal and surprised me with tickets to Hawaii. So that was, <gasps> that was pretty up there as far as gifts go. That's amazing. Awesome. And what, and what is the best gift that you've ever given? I think one of the things I've been good at doing and as far as giving gifts is giving women who've had babies a beautiful home-cooked meal, and I do that quite regularly. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, can I, I put in the line? Can yeah, I- those, <laughs> those gifts are really well-received. Oh, God, yes, absolutely, absolutely, especially during those first six weeks, right? Yeah, absolutely. Magical yeah. six weeks. All right. What is the wildest thing that you've ever done? Mm. I don't know if I could say it publicly. Yeah, you can. Come on. <laughs> All right, no pressure, but, you know, we love juicy stories here. <laughs> Look, I, I've got a bit of a, a tendency to flash people. So I've got many stories of flashing, particularly my girlfriends, in public and inappropriate places and to make them laugh. So, yeah, I, I <laughs> have, um, have a bit of a desire to, to just be outrageous every now and then. And I don't even need alcohol or anything to do that. So, yeah, so I'm, flashing. I'm a flasher. Yeah. yeah. So just to be clear, this is when you lift your top and and, and Yeah. Bra. Well, even... Even sometimes I'll lift my skirt because um, <laughs> I live at the top of a hill and when my girlfriends come up the driveway in their cars, I often stand at the top of the hill and flash them oh lifting God. up my skirt. I mm. love it. I, I, I should start doing that too. Yeah, that, that, that goes together <laughs> with, you know, superpower. And that's what I love yeah. about you, Tracy. Like from the beginning when I met you at Calm Birth, I really love this whole attitude of taking life not so serious and I think that we live in a world where people are just too serious too often you know like just taking everything to the extreme so um that's an awesome attitude and flashing goes with it so girlfriends everybody <laughs> listening just uh, let's learn from Tracy here and uh <laughs> nothing like a good flash to your girlfriends to make them smile that's right but aren't you so so with that aren't you kind of afraid or I don't know aren't you thinking about what what are people going to think like where do you find the confidence to do it I'm 50 now so when I flash it isn't probably <laughs> it's a pretty sight as what it was when I was younger <laughs> okay. the breasts are heading south for the winter 
Yeah, I don't worry about things like that. I, I mean, I do it selectively. I don't just do it to random strangers. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I certainly, over the years, and I think this is what comes with age, is you just get a lot more comfortable with your own skin, your own body. And certainly I've made a decision and I can recall being very, very clear about this, you know, quite a long time ago actually, that I was going to be very proud of being an ageing woman and, and um, really step into that, well, eldership, if you like, as we get older. You know, I think women really crave eldership and I know even at 50 I crave eldership. So there's something that's a little bit missing in our culture these days of the wise women of our village So I've always looked forward to getting older and wiser and not being so caught up in my physical appearance or the lines on my face or even the hairs growing out of my chin. (laughs) Just more more excited about the comfort that comes with ageing. Although, interestingly enough, you think you're going to learn more and know more as you get older, but it's quite the opposite. You tend to realise how little you know as you get older. But there's a comfort in that and a surrender that comes with that over time. And I've really loved that about the ageing process. It's been actually quite a joyful thing to step into. So things like, you know, physical appearance or lines on your face don't seem that important. And they really aren't in, in my mind anyway. Yeah, I agree with you. We're kind of missing that element. I think, you know, we we talk about in, in Calm Parent, talk about the village, right? Like the, the village yeah. element is not there anymore. And I myself crave, well, I always thought, you know, oh, perhaps because I lost my mother when I was really young, I crave, you know, a feminine, an elder feminine woman in my life. But I feel like today's modern woman is, is missing that. And our mothers are either, well, my mother has passed away, but mothers in general either are far away or uh, a lot of women don't have a good relationship with their mother. And so it's definitely missing in our culture. And I feel that women... Yeah, it's it's a missing element. And I love that you're saying that you're looking forward to it because this gives us all hope, you know? Yeah. That aging is not such a big deal because, you know, the, the young woman youth is glorified so much today. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. The, the aging woman is not. And that crone energy, that wise energy is uh, so powerful. Yeah, and that's why you're here today. So we can learn from you, Tracy. <laughs> good, and, good. Yeah, what they say also is uh, with aging, it comes that element of contribution. So when, you know, like in, in villages, especially the, the elder women were the ones who would hold all the knowledge and teach others. And I feel like you're beautifully doing that already, you know, in your capacity as a child, I mean, as a calm parent, calm birth educator. So that's, thank you. Thank you for it's doing It's certainly that. something I strive to do with the, the new mothers that I work with. You know, I feel very maternal towards them and very protective and, and loving towards all of the women that I work with and just, yeah, feel like I want to take them under my wing and just nourish them because the job that they're doing as new parents is really huge. And not every mother of a mother has ability of really giving the new mother, the younger mother, what it is that she needs at that time. Mm, absolutely. So I can feel sometimes that I play a very important role for these women in really giving them that sense of, nourishment and you know just telling them they're doing a great job and what they're going through is normal and yeah it's very important yeah absolutely all right well let's uh, finish up this uh, segment we haven't even gotten to the official part of the interview so okay uh, some serious questions kind of deeper ones tracy what is your biggest fear living with regret of not having 
really expressed my true potential and what I'm here as a human being to do. I think to look back and regret that I didn't really go for things. And the fear that comes with that sometimes is the fear of not coping, not being able to just cope with the the enormity and the, the busyness of my life. After I had my third child, I had a bit of a breakdown. I ended up having three children in four years and it was an incredibly important time in my development because I was operating at before that under a sort of facade of coping and, and trying to do it all right and, and be the best mother that I could. And I put myself under enormous pressure. And by the time I got to my third child, I just lost the plot. I couldn't hold on to that persona anymore. And so there was a part of me that broke down. And it was actually one of the best things that has ever happened to me in hindsight, because I had to let go of a lot of that. And it sort of, it created the space and paved the way for me to reconstruct a more authentic version of myself. And so now as I get older and, um, you know, I've explored more my capability, I think, and really push through resistance and pushing through fears that we all have, I think, of, of not feeling like we're enough or good enough or smart enough or have we got the right qualifications to continue pushing through that, and that's something I've made a conscious effort to do. But to, I, I guess my greatest fear would be to look back and say, yeah, I don't think I, I, I did something that I potentially could have done that life was offering me the opportunity to do. Beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. All right, cool. So I have two last questions for you uh, in this segment, Tracy. And tell me, what is femininity for you? Oh, femininity is one of the greatest privileges of being a woman, although I do believe that we all possess a feminine side. But femininity to me is the pure expression of the feminine essence of yielding and accepting and embracing life and people and being able to dance with life and roll with life. So I, when I think of femininity, I think of the yielding aspect and there's great power. Like if you look at any martial artist and they teach you how to block a punch or to work with somebody who's attacking you, it's always taking that energy and yielding to it and turning it back on itself. So I see that aspect of femininity is something that's very powerful and very much needed in our world. Mm, absolutely. Thank you. And last question is, Tracy, do you consider yourself successful and why? Yes, I do. I consider myself successful because I'm happy or a better word, contented. I think there's an element of when I look at what I've created so far in my life, there's nothing I would change. I have a great relationship with my husband. I have four amazing children. I have work that I find meaningful and and I have a body and a mind that's pretty healthy. So, yeah, I'd say I'm, I'm pretty successful. I still feel like, though, there's enough juice in me to be squeezed so I don't <laughs> feel like I'm done yet, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, but certainly in terms of the things that are the most meaningful to me, I feel like I've absolutely created that in my life. And it's not all perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. In fact, it's often very chaotic and messy at times. 
but it's real and it's there and even in the chaos there's a sense of no this is good this is very good Mm, Mm. love it thank you Mm. all right tracy so now is the time to introduce yourself tell us uh, who you are and what you do all right so i'm tracy anderson askew and i would say the biggest thing that i do is i I help people to tap into their true potential. So the centre that I've created now is very much starts with the birth process, so introducing new families to women's capacity to birth, what they have innately inside of them, their understanding their bodies and what they need to do to work with birth, not against them, and also to understand the incredible power of the mind in that process and helping them to harness the mind. And once people have had their babies, they come back and I introduce them to this idea of calm parenting, which is not about being a calm parent all the time, but being more connected to the greater meaning of what parenting is and the opportunity that parenting provides us to grow into that bigger version of ourselves. So a lot of the programs that my centre offers is not so much focused on what children, what we need to get out of children or how to teach them or mould them or control them or discipline them, but actually working with the parents, helping them to unlock their potential and their capacity to connect with their child and helping them on their growth path. So we offer a lot of parenting programs as well as there's a therapeutic aspect to my business where I work with people on a subconscious level to help them unlock their own programming that could be getting in the way of their their own potential and their life as parents but also beyond parenting. And, yeah, and I've got some really great people on board that are helping me to meet the needs of all of my families. So that's what my centre has created or what has been created at my centre and I'm pretty proud of it because it really does make a big difference in people's lives through such an important time. You know, when you bring life into the world, it's pretty intense and it beckons us all to grow in that space. We've got to become a bigger version of ourselves. We've got to let go of the former life and embrace our potential in this life. And that's hard and it comes with a struggle. And I think what we do is really support people to step into that and relax into it. Hmm, absolutely. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a proud student of yours as well, as I mentioned. So I attended uh, Calm Birth in November. I was, I think, 33 weeks pregnant with my uh, partner. And I've actually recorded, Trace, an audio documentary, a review of those two days. <laughs> it's on the podcast. I should send you the oh, link lovely. so you can listen yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, and also now, so I'm part of your Calm Parent group as well. And it definitely is helping me a lot. My baby's now a bit older than three months. And it's it's pretty transforming. I mean, calm birth in general was, was transformational for me. And then also this this whole calm parent group. But I've used your metaphors that you're using with us in classes and I write about it. And it really, like, so everything you're describing to me, it really gives me perspective, you know, because it's so easy to get caught up in the struggle and the hard times and the difficulties. And I also see, so there's so many aspects. I see you as this wiser, older woman who's actually had four children, you know, and who's who actually can. And you have been also a doula from what I know. 
and just have so many plenty of experience working with families and and I just love your your work and your support and I feel supported like every Thursday you know I get into my car get my baby drive for about 20 minutes to the class <laughs> and <laughs> connect yeah connect to other women and every week makes me think makes me analyze and wonder I'm, I'm pretty self-cautious as well uh, self-aware but it really gives me a lot of perspective on what the hell's got happening in my life so Thank you so much for for that. And Tracy, let's start from the beginning. So how did you come up to do this work? And, you know, when you were talking about, maybe you could finish up with that, when you were talking about your version of success, I'm like, wow, how did you manage to have, you said three children in four years, and then you had another one about seven years later, right? And then build this business, maintain your relationship with your, like, how did you do it all? Like, it's crazy, but I'm interested. Where did you begin? And then how did it lead to where you are today? So content with life. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, ups and downs, it's never a straight road doing this. But I think because my career started as a teacher, so I always had a fascination for children and what made them tick and how I as a teacher could help them to fulfill their true potential. And so much of what I learned led me to understanding that so much of kids' potential starts at the very beginning. And, of course, the most influential people in that journey is the parents. Now, when I went along to have my children, my first son, which he's now 22, so it was 22 years ago, I was so fortunate because at a very late stage in my pregnancy, I realised I had the wrong doctor and change caregivers at 38 weeks. And with that decision meant that I also changed the level of support that I had in birthing Sam. He was in the breech position, so, you know, it was going to be a tricky birth on one level, but I was totally surrounded by people who believed in me. And the woman who made, I think, the biggest difference was my midwife at that time. And, you know, talking about eldership, she really represented what those wise women of you know of our traditional past have always represented to me she totally held that space for me she believed in me the whole way and what that enabled me to do is walk through that doorway into parenting feeling like just pumped and strong and I remember having problems with breastfeeding and and saying to myself god if I can bloody birth this baby backwards I can feed it you know (laughs) just fed yeah, and, and for all listeners, yeah. Tracy, a uh, breach position for everybody who doesn't know. I had no idea about anything re- related to birth. Now I'm like an expert, all these definitions, breach, posterior, whatever. So breach is when your baby it basically is uh, turned upside down and comes out yeah. first. With they come the- out, well, they can come out feet first, but my babies were in the frank breach position. So that's a, a much more straightforward, but they come out bum first, which... <laughs> quite aptly describes my first son very well, actually. <laughs> he pushes against boundaries. And, and you birthed him naturally. Uh, yeah, I did. I birthed him vaginally and um, my second son was also breech. And, yeah, I just was surrounded by people who just saw it as another version of normal. Now there's a lot more fear around breech births. Mm-hmm. So that was the catalyst, I think, Anna, for really unlocking in me my mother spirit and and it just totally changed my desires, my perceptions of life. You know, I was a very dedicated teacher prior to having my children. Once I became a mother, I was very, I didn't want to go back to work. I was just so fascinated by my own children. And I think that's what kind of set me on the path to 
learning to understand more about what this journey is about for women. So, yeah, so let, let me ask you this question yeah, real quick. Sure. So that catalyst, that, that change in you where you didn't want to be a teacher anymore, you, you said, I was fascinated with my children. Can you tell me more about that a little bit? Because I think I'm feeling this. And I feel that women who perhaps don't have children yet, because, you know, I'm so because I'm in this femininity, womanhood kind of space, I see so many young women today questioning whether they want to have children or not, obviously, because they have choices, they have options. While in the past, this was never even an option. You know, everybody kind of wanted to have children. That's the way to go. And so I feel like there's so much talk about you know, female empowerment and having our careers and having all of that. And there's not enough talk about, well, wait a second, but here is the other part of it. And what children give us as women, like I'm just rediscovering this butterfly in me. That's one of the metaphors Tracy were using. And I'm like, I had this, I wrote about this. I don't know if you read, had a chance to. I did. I my did article. Read. I loved reading it. I love listening to women's journeys into that arena. And I don't think... Like it's a great question that you're asking, you know, what is it? Because what I see now with new mothers is that they often feel very, very torn between the part of them that wants to continue with developing their potential in their career or their chosen field of interest or whatever that is, and then there's the mother. And how do those two aspects of self coexist? For me, at that time in my life, in, in the very beginning, it was just not a decision. Every part of me wanted to be with my baby. And I'm not sure why that was so strong in me. I sometimes wonder if it was because when I was growing up, I was in childcare and felt the need to play that side out more. I don't know that that's part of the mystery each woman has to face within themselves. But certainly, it was strong enough in me to say, that's it, like, this is how it has to be. And we had to change so many things about our life that to accommodate my desire to stay at home with Sam. Yeah, so it's it's that each woman has to find that path in herself. Yeah. So what 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 would you say to women who are deciding? You know, because it it came to a point today where you actually deciding whether you know you're going to have children or not. When are you going to have them? And and I feel like women who haven't experienced this bond with a baby, which I haven't experienced up until she was three months. I didn't know what the hell to do with her. Like, who is this child? Why am I doing this? <laughs> and then I had this moment in the shower that I wrote about that I realized that there is nothing, there's no career, there's no job, there's no other thing that a lot of women think that, oh my God, this is my, there's no other thing that could either substitute or even compare or, well, there's no, there's no room for comparison, right? But I'm like, I, yeah. would, I would give anything to, to feel the bond with my child. So when you talk about fascination with my baby, like how would you describe this? So for women thinking about it, don't know how it feels, how would you describe this bond or fascination with your baby? <laughs> well, I, I think it's really different for each woman. And this is why I'm, I'm really careful about not being too descriptive about the idea of bonding to anyone in and I really believe each woman's got her own path to travel with that for a woman who's trying to decide whether to have a baby so if she should or shouldn't or at what time to have a baby the the nobody can really advise you on that because you don't know the mystery that lies inside of you in that space it's something that 
I mean, I didn't see it coming either. It wasn't until he was born and landed that I just had these feelings that were a, a surprise to me. I didn't see that coming. I was always a woman who thought I'd be back at work. But having said that, each time I had a new baby too, my journey as a woman altered slightly. And so by the time I had my third son, there was a part of me that did need to return back to another aspect of myself. You know, I'd almost gotten lost in that motherhood life and let it swallow me up a little bit. So each woman has to kind of tread her path to both honour the, the mother within her, but also the woman, the lover, the friend, the the creator, the all sorts of aspects that we have. And, and watching women go through this, I can see that there's no one way each woman has to face that herself. Me, as a person who supports those women, what I do my best to do is to just encourage them to step into that and to really honour what their needs are in whatever phase that they're in, to try to really tap into what's important to them. Because I think if we don't really step back and dig deep to really tap into ourselves, we can find ourselves kind of railroaded by, I don't know, social expectations around us or our financial expectations around us or what all of our friends have done, what we think we should be doing as a woman in this era. You know, I, I've certainly noticed in the years that I've been watching new mothers make that transition, which is really over 20 years, there are very few mothers compared to 20 years ago that are choosing in those early stages to stay at home with the children until, say, they go to school. Like most women will go back to work typically within the first year. And I wonder, out of all of those women making that choice, how many of them really want to? How many of them feel they have to? And are they really tapping into what their needs are as a mother and then also at some point still needing to honour other aspects of self? Mm, mm. For sure. And how do you, so I love what you're saying in terms of, you know, we got to find those aspects of ourselves, not find, but I guess, rediscover, explore, connect it to again, because now it's all a different identity and, you know, who who am I as a mother, as a lover, as a wife? There's so many roles to play and um, what you're saying is stepping back and digging deep. And so for everyone listening who is kind of in that transition or is wondering about this subject, so how do we do that? Like, I know there's no step-by-step process, but what would you say to women listening who are kind of in this transition? I think one of the, the things is that you can't have it all all at once. Uh, there, there was a while where we started to really feed women that myth that you can have it all. You can be the working mum, you can be, you know, the great cook and have the clean house and, um, you know, have the amazing social life and contribute and all these different things. And we can have all of that, but we just can't have it all at once. So I think really there is no one path for each woman. She's got to, you know, at one point make a choice whether to have a baby or not, whether this is going to be a part of her future or not. And then if she's fortunate enough to conceive and she then, you know, gives birth to that baby, then her next question is, you know, what are my needs in this space in that first few months and what are my needs in that first few year, first year? And whatever decision she makes, then it's up to her to make that work. So if she does stay at home, so she doesn't get bored, how does she then create a life around being an at-home mother or 
or going back to work part-time or going back to work full-time. There's no right or wrong. It's just a place that each woman needs to navigate for herself and make whatever decision that she's made work. And the beautiful thing now in more modern times is that we've got our partners and hope, you know, not every woman has a partner, but certainly we've got other people to support us in that journey and our partners, you know, share the load a lot lot more. So it's not even her journey, it's also her partner's needs in that space or the village that she has around her. So each person has different circumstances. Because before, what was it? Because I know that before in our culture, I mean, I come from Eastern Europe, but men weren't even like seeing holding babies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were. But so in the past, was it that? Well, because there was a village also, right? Like women were helping supporting women. So men kind of didn't really play a role or, I mean, a drastic role. Have you seen that? Have you witnessed that? Oh, that has changed dramatically in the last 20 years. I can see it very, very clearly. Men are much more engaged. I mean, men were engaged when I was having my babies, but still not as engaged as they are now. I think there is a very definite shift in the expectation that men will step up and be a part of their newborn babies' lives and their toddlers' lives and their preschoolers' lives, you know, and and they're doing that and they're enjoying doing that too. You know, watching men make that transition is really interesting and even with same-sex partners, the same deal, watching partners make that transition the, what I'm witnessing is the more engaged they are, the more confident they get and the more they enjoy their children. So it's certainly a beautiful shift that's happened because it's giving babies so much more too by having, you know, people actively engaged in them and not being all on the mother's shoulders. I think that's a recipe for a worn-out mother, <laughs> not a very happy mother. Yeah, absolutely. And as we speak, uh, my partner is uh, staying right now with the baby in the living room and I'm recording this episode with you. (laughs) Yep, there you go. You're living the dream. That's right. (laughs) Yep, that's right. All right, Tracy. So uh, we have talked a little bit about your journey where, so you were a teacher and then you had your first baby. And you're absolutely consumed with a baby, fascinated by it, and decided to just be stay, a stay-at-home mom. And so then what happened? Then you had two more children, switched yeah. careers. <laughs> yeah. So by the time I, after I had my second son, we moved from Sydney to Canberra. And so I had to form a life here. And then I, um, by the time I had my third son, that's when I really felt I needed to reconnect with myself. So. I decided to do a graduate diploma in childbirth education. So going back to study was something that really um, stimulated me intellectually and really helped me to feel um, more connected. I had a bit of a, a breakdown in that time, but it really was a reconstruction of myself as a woman. I had to let go of my perfectionist tendencies and really seek more help and actively engage a little bit more in life than what I had been. I'd just been very focused on the children. And that's when I also became a doula. And so I started assisting people during birth. And that was a really beautiful time for me, witnessing other women go through this transition into parenthood and what their stories were and how unique and individual their their, um, path was, the decisions they made. So for how long were you a doula and how many births have you actually witnessed? 
I don't know, I've lost track of how many births um, I've been to. It, it was quite a few in those early days. But what I was also doing in those early days also is running new mother support groups. So I would gather women together. I started with my own needs and gathering a creating a play group with women who had babies the same age as myself. And then from then I started other groups with another woman who taught yoga. So we'd do an hour of yoga with the babies and then an hour of what I called secret women's business. And that's when I started really, you know, bringing in opportunities for women to share their stories. And we'd have a theme each week and hearing what their needs were in that space. And it was so fascinating to me to watch that happen. And then I started running childbirth education classes, which ultimately evolved into finding a program called Calm Birth, which not only helped people with good information about birth, the birth process, but really it was very much about helping them to prepare on a subconscious level and working with um, their fears and their concerns about birth in order to help them to retrain their stress response and ultimately change the way they respond to birth. Mm-hmm. And once I found Calm Birth, that was just a fabulous um, springboard into taking people all the way through this from the birth process and then into the parenting and now continuing on with that work now. Hi, girlfriends. So sorry to interrupt this awesome episode on Girl Skill, but I quickly wanted to jump in and tell you about Magellan TV, who's the sponsor of Girl Skill Podcast. And I'm highly, highly excited to be recommending them. And if you know me, you know that I would never recommend something that I wouldn't use myself or I wouldn't like. So let me tell you about them. Magellan TV is a new type of documentary streaming provider determined to bring you the finest documentaries from around the globe. And it's actually built by documentary filmmakers. Me and my husband have signed up for a trial and we've already watched a couple of documentaries like he really loved the one on North Korea and like cyber attacks and all of that. Magellan actually has the playlist on women in history, breaking barriers. And so I watched a documentary on Nadia Comaneci, who was a Romanian Olympian medalist. I watched the series on Ekaterina the Great and many more and I really love it. And, you know, if you're looking for an alternative to Netflix, because sometimes I do, I'm like so tired of all these silly TV shows or sometimes I can't find any Thing. I mean, this is a great, great alternative while you watch something, but you also learn a lot. So the documentaries on Magellan TV can be watched anytime, anywhere. You know, they're streamed without interruptions, meaning no ads. They're compatible with iOS and Android devices and all of that. They offer documentary movies and series and exclusive playlists and genres include history, science, space, nature, and more. So highly recommend you go check it out. And they actually are offering an exclusive two-month trial for free free to anyone who's interested at magellantv.com slash girlskills. So it's M-A-G-E-L-L-A-N-T-V.com slash girlskill. And the link is in the show notes already. So go ahead, check it out, sign up for a free trial for two months. There's nothing to lose, everything to gain, you know, watching documentaries, learning a lot. All right, now back to the episode. So let's talk a little bit about the calm birth, right? So in short... Because, you know, I attended it and for me in string whole weekend. So it was a weekend course. And I did, a, for everybody listening, you should go back to, I think it was a pregnancy audio documentary episode four or five, where we were just, and, you know, by that time I've read Ina May Gaskin's 
guide to childbirth. I started listening to some hypnobirth and read the hypnobirth book. So calm birth. And, you know, I did a lot of yoga before. So it was into the spiritual world and was meditating. So this calm birth has fit perfectly into, you know, my lifestyle and what I wanted out of the birth. And of course, my birth, as you know, Tracy, because Tracy also was very kind to have a debrief, the birth debrief with me. So thank you so much. Um, of course, my birth didn't turn out as I wanted it. <laughs> yep. oh, man. That's the mystery, Anna, isn't it? it? You just don't know what's going to happen on the day. And even me having my fourth son, I never felt cocky about birth. I don't think it ever lets you feel cocky about birth. But ultimately, you know, I think what women need to know about childbirth is that it's not always the way we think it's going to be, that there are ways of approaching it that can make it more manageable and doable. And even in terms of the pain of childbirth, you know, if you were to go on the streets and and say to a person, if I say childbirth, what's the first word you think of? They think of the pain. And that whole mindset and the fact that we make childbirth about the pain is what gets in the way of us really being able to surrender to birth because it creates a lot of fear in women and the horror stories that we hear. And it's not that those horror stories aren't real for the women that experience birth in a really difficult way, but often there are a lot of reasons behind why those births unfold the way they do. And a big one of them is the lack of support that we give to women in labour. The preparation that we give women is very fear-based. A lot of the classes are very fear-based. And we get in women's heads and we plant the seeds of doubt, of fear, of pain, of you're not enough, of you're going to need the epidural, you know, people give women advice, don't put yourself through it, have the pain relief. And that's pain relief in labour can be incredibly useful under certain circumstances. But the message underneath that is that you're not enough. And that's what people don't realise is that on a very subconscious, subliminal way, we're telling women that they're not enough and we're doing it in all parts of their life and especially childbirth. So they go into birth with a mindset that's going to put them in more of a fight-flight response, in more of a stress response, and then we wonder why birth gets complicated. So we really do need to change the culture of birth because it's messing with women's heads and, more importantly, it's messing with women's bodies while they're birthing. And that's something that I'm incredibly passionate about because... You know, birth can deliver women a whole lot of great benefits, great hormones, you know, transitioning you into bonding and attaching with your baby, producing milk, all of these things that are an incredibly important part of her becoming that mother. But we're not milking them, (laughs) excuse the pun, we're not milking those hormones because we're so full of stress. And women then walk through that doorway feeling like they've been hit by a truck. And this isn't about just, you know, making sure every woman has a natural birth. It's not about that at all. It's about helping women to realise that they're enough. Sometimes we need help, but even when we need help or even if we need to have our baby via cesarean, that we are still doing it, we are still enough and we have something to offer that situation. And so that's why I love doing what I do because I help women to realise that it's not about what happens on the day that matters, it's about what you're able to bring to the party. And if you can bring a level of confidence and calmness, 
around what you're doing so your body can actually work with the labour, not against it, and then you throw a decent dose of love on top of that woman which supports the production of oxytocin, then you've got the ingredients for working with birth, not against it. And then if we need help, that's okay too. Like, Mm, Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. I remember after the session, I was like, I I was actually excited. Both of us during and I were excited about having it, you know, like preparing for labor where before I was scared. I think I still had a bit of fear, but I guess just fear of the unknown and how it's going to be. And, you know, I, I was induced. And so it all went downhill and I called you Tracy before birth. And you were like, if you need medication, just know that induction, it can hit you fast and hard, which is what happened. And I remembered your words and, you know, I was breathing and, oh, I, took everything with me, the images of a jellyfish and, you know, like surfing <laughs> a special place. And yeah, but it was really transformational, you know, for me. So I hope that every woman listening, you know, can hear what we're talking about. And so Tracy, I wanted to ask, so for every woman listening who might be pregnant or, you know, thinks of getting pregnant and then preparing for birth, because I know calm birth is Australian, right? Yeah, it's Australia-wide. It, it's quite a wonderful organisation now. It's it's the biggest childbirth education program in, in the country. It's in New Zealand. It's in Australia. We've got somewhere between 80 to 100 educators and it's in, I think, at least three, maybe four major hospitals in Sydney and where I think they're in negotiations with getting it into another five. So the beautiful thing about that approach is it's very scientific. It's not fluffy. It's, you know, this is how the body works. These are the hormones you've got to activate. And the mind-body medicine um, research that we've got around now is so powerful. So just understanding how the mind works and how we can harness the mind and unlock certain beliefs and perceptions that can get in the way of people birthing. So if uh, there, because a lot of my listeners are in the US actually and around the world. So for those who don't have, you know, official classes running, what would you recommend doing or looking for or anybody who is kind of in line with what you're talking about wants to know more? So there's there's a lot of very similar type classes. I think if you look for things that work around the stress response in birth and harness the mind is really important. Um, I'm not familiar with some of the other. I mean, certainly Lamar's was a did a lot around breathing and birth and things like that for a long, you know, quite some time ago. Um, hypnobirthing is another version that understands the importance of the mind and working with those deeper levels of um, the subconscious. So I think if you you look at that mind-body approach, then you're going to be approaching birth in a way that's way more powerful than just, say, reading about what to expect when you're pregnant and things like that. That's right. Yeah. Love it. So Tracy, I want to talk a little bit about your children and about your births because the stories are fascinating. So I know that every one of your births was different and were all of them breach or just three? No, no. My first two were breach and um, all of my births were in many ways in terms of um, I didn't need a lot of help. So that was really fortunate. But I, I do believe though a big component of the fact that I didn't need a lot of help was because I was surrounded by people who really believed in what I was doing and I was really well prepared in in being able to really step in and surrender to birth and also yeah so the support that I received in all of my births was absolutely 
enormous, <laughs> except probably my last one, which um, he ended up coming at home unassisted. Yeah, no tell, me, tell, me, tell us about the story. <laughs> well, James's birth was quite transformational and really helped me to understand how much women can surrender in that space. You know, I uh, by the time I had James, I'd had three births under my belt and I was teaching calm birth and parenting and so, you know, I knew a lot of stuff. But it was so interesting, Anna, because, you know, you could imagine the pressure on this calm birth to have a calm birth. And I was a bit, so I remember feeling before I had this, God, I hope I can pull this shit off. You know, I teach it every day. Am I going to be able to um, try out my tools? Because it was the first time that I had birthed, you know, having done and being a calm birth teacher. So, I remember feeling a bit of performance anxiety and, and pressure around where's this going to take me this time, you know. And his birth in itself was phenomenal. He, um, I went into labour sort of in the early evening. I said to, and, and I was just getting twinges, nothing regular. I said to my partner, I think we should go to bed. It's probably... Um, baby's not too far away we went to bed he fell straight asleep as you do and I couldn't sleep so I put myself up in the back room and I just sat there and went into this very very deep relaxed um, hypnotic state within myself using all the tools the breathing letting that relaxation response just move through my whole body and before I knew it I just had these waves and waves of absolute bliss and um, love, just felt so much love for everyone around me. It was just the most incredible feeling. And I, I got to a point where I, you know, lost all sense of physical form. I couldn't feel where I finished and the rest of the world started. My, my whole body just felt this incredible buzz and lightness that it was just merged with everything around me. It was an, an incredibly transcendental state. And being a meditator, you know, and knowing that you can access this state, I've never been able to do it in meditation, but I've done it in childbirth, which I think is quite funny. And then I got to a um, point within that and, and, oh, and with the contractions too, you know, I, I wasn't aware of even really feeling contractions in what I'd experienced in my previous births. And then I felt this need to do a poo and, of course, you know, that's usually a sign babies making their way out, they're pressing on the bowel. So I went to the toilet, came back, tried to sit down, couldn't sit down, so I leant over the bed and the next thing my waters didn't just explode, sorry, didn't just break, they exploded covering the wall behind me and the curtains and the floor and so I'm yelling out to my husband, Peter, Peter, quick, the carpet, the carpet, because that's so important when you're giving birth. <laughs> And um, eventually, you know, after me yelling and and then the contractions started coming on top of them, each other and I'm trying to get my husband awake and he's at the other side of the house and he eventually comes in and I say, quick, ring the midwife, get me a towel. Get... And then I started making these noises and I knew, oh, my God, my baby's coming now. And I said, quick, get the children because I wanted them to be there and it was about midnight and, yeah, it was very chaotic in the end and James came roaring into the world with <laughs> very confused people at the door wondering what on earth's going on. So I didn't exactly have a calm birth, but um, it was quite chaotic in the wow. end. But it was, it so was you a gave birth at the house, like at home? At the house, yeah. <gasps> it was a planned home birth. 
So okay. that part of it was planned, but the um, midwife not being there was not planned. Oh, so she and wasn't there. She didn't get no, it there. No, she didn't get there, no. So, so who had delivered the baby? Me. <laughs> my serious? You just took my husband was so stunned he didn't know what to do, so... Wow. So it was really like, I, I'm just imagining um, a scene like you were literally that woman in Africa or whatever who gives birth on her own, picks up her baby. And what about the cord and everything? Like, well, what happened? Well, you know, the, the babies keep breathing through the cord. So there was no, I never felt panicked about it. There was just a sense of okay, what have I got to do? And the thing about a labouring woman is you're not in that part of your brain. I mean, in any other circumstances, I would have known exactly what to do, but it was okay. I never felt scared. I knew the midwife was on the way and it was fine. She came about 10 minutes after the birth and, yeah, it was was quite amazing. Yeah, but the, the interesting thing I think that really stayed with me was, wow, what labour can be when we really surrender as women to the birth process and we keep perpetuating this idea that birth is always painful. And, yes, it can be very painful. I absolutely know what that feels like. But it can be a lot of things. And I think as women we need to open ourselves up to that idea as well that it will be what it will be, um, but we can handle it. And don't always think it's painful because it, it sometimes it isn't. Mm. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. Well, thanks for sharing this story with us. It's uh, truly incredible. Yeah. All right. So just to finish up with with the, with the kid before we move into parenting, which I know you're very passionate about, and I would still love to talk to you about. So Tracy, you had four. So you had three boys in a matter of four years, and then another one after seven years. So. You know, I'm struggling now with one and me and my husband are like arguing when to have a second one because he's like, let's just have them be done with it, you know, like in four years That's and over. How I thought. And I yeah. can't I can't imagine it because having one is really hard and you had three in a course of four. I'm like, how how do you how did women do how how did you do it, Tracy? Like any any advice to spare or tips? <laughs> You know, when I was having my third son, I rang my grandmother who'd had five babies in seven years and I said to her, Nan, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And she said, darling, because I was so impressed with her, she said, darling, I don't know how you women do it. She said, when we were having our babies, we never did anything. We didn't have cars. We, you know, The biggest event was walking down to the corner shop to get the bread and the milk. You might go to your neighbour's place at best. And they didn't do a lot with their babies and they often didn't have the struggles that we have as, as mothers because we're out and about and we put babies in cars and, and life is very interesting and stimulating for the modern baby, whereas back then, you know, <laughs> I remember asking her, did you ever have trouble with sleeping baby and, she, you know, babies sleeping? She said, oh, no, they just get bored and fall asleep on the floor. Like <laughs> she never worried about it. So I think what happens with each child that you have is you learn to surrender. There's more and more that you let go of and that was actually the benefit of having three children so close together. By the time I had my third son, I did not worry about how messy the house was. By the time I had my third son, I did not worry if 
they threw food on the floor or um, they had stains on their clothes. I mean, yes, you do your best to keep them clean and things like that, but it just was not a point of stress. And so more and more you learn to let go with each child that you have, but also I ultimately think that is the whole goal of parenting. Sometimes we get caught up in thinking our children are a reflection of whether we're a good parent or a bad parent and we actually make parenting about us and it's not about us at all, it's about them. And our job as parents is to love them, put a roof over their mouth, food in their tummies, give them a sense of security and um, a sense of attachment that that they're safe and then watch who they are and let that unfold. And as parents, you know, we can let our egos get in the way of our parenting journey and we make our children's struggles a reflection of our own inadequacies when in actual fact it's a growth process together. We're growing as human beings, we're growing as a mother and a father and they're growing um, they're growing up as little ones. And I think the more we can learn to let go of this need to control doesn't mean you don't guide your children or teach your children but I think a big part of it is to develop our own sense of ourselves in that process and learn to parent ourselves more than sometimes even our children you know those wounded parts of us that get triggered when our children have meltdowns in public and we feel inadequate because we don't know what to do these this is part of what the gift of what our children teach us so that's how I coped, Anna. I just let go each time I had a child. And then when number four came along, it's like, oh, my God, here we go again. <laughs> and and it was beautiful. You know, I wrote a blog post about this, having baby number four. I wrote an article, I think, on what my fourth baby taught me. And a big part of his journey is I let go of the small stuff. If he would, if he hopped into bed with us at three o'clock in the morning and kept doing that every night, I just enjoyed it. I just, you know, didn't feel I needed to train him or, you know, make sure he was back in his own bed. I just enjoyed every moment for what it was. I didn't, you know, I put him back in his own bed eventually, but I never worried about small stuff. And as a result, I really enjoyed him and his babyhood and his younger years. I think I was more present with him and more connected to him. And he's been an incredibly um, joyful child to parent. And I, I don't know how much of that is him and how much of that is Peter and I not getting so caught up in things. I'm sure it's a bit of both, but it's been fabulous Beautiful. You know, I'm I'm trying. I'm kind of while you're speaking, I'm realizing that you know, I in the beginning, like I read all the books about routine and sleep training, and I'm like, my baby is going to be on the routine because I need to take control of my life, and you know, because there's plenty of stuff today about this method and this method and sleep training and schedules and whatever and feeding, and uh, so being me, you know, I wanted to. I, when I don't know anything, you know, I really am jumping fully into it. So I read all the books out there and all that and compared. I tried the routine for like three days and then gave up and it was just terrible. And now I'm, I'm really stepping into what you're talking about in, you know, if it doesn't work or she cries, I really try to stay present and tell myself, you know, this is all passing. And, you know, in the morning when she wakes up, I'm fully present with her and I'm trying to do my best and whatever I'm doing, but I'm not, I'm not worried. You know, I always tell myself to, to calm down 
it's okay. You know, if she woke up or if she doesn't feed or if she, you know, if plans don't go according, you know, sometimes my husband's like, well, yeah, baby's crying. I'm like, it's okay. Baby's cry, you know, <laughs> and it's really helpful. Like what you're talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm actually it's really enjoying so, it. Now. Oh, that's, that's wonderful to hear. Anna, cause I think that's what ultimately most women will get to that point. I think when we try to, you know, train our children to do certain things, that's more about us than it is about them and their needs. And it's not to say that babies don't need help sometimes learning to sleep and settle, but so much of this is about just being able to roll with what each day brings because they are always changing. And the idea of being able to train a child to do anything is very unrealistic because the rules change. You know, you might get them into a good routine or pattern and then they grow some extra teeth or they get a cold or their vaccinations upset them or whatever it is. So it really is about just rolling with it and enjoying that journey. And it's lovely, you know, when when mothers kind of let go of that need to get it right and are just okay to respond to that baby's needs each and every day, they enjoy it more. Absolutely. And that's what we talk about in our Calm Parent course. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about that because I know you're super passionate. And I've actually, we were uh, walking today with our, um, you know, new parents group that the ACT got, the Canberra Australian government organized for us. And they were all asking me, some of them did Calm Birth with you, Tracy, and I think they're joining next term for Calm Parent. And they were asking me like, what are you doing? How is it? And I fully recommended it. And I said, you know, every week, you know, a lot of the stuff I've heard and, and, but every week it just makes me think about different sides of myself and reconnecting. And we talk a little bit about relationship, self-love. Uh, last week was Tower of Contentment and <laughs> I still remember the bricks. <laughs> so let's, let's tell everyone who's listening, you know, who's a parent or wants to become a parent, what does this whole calm parent think about? And Tracy, have you developed it yourself and what are kind of the, the, the bricks or the foundations of it and what do women get? from such a course? So I developed this after years and years of listening to women tell their stories and really asking myself, what is it that I can share with them that and, and cultivate within them that can really move the needle? What can make the biggest difference? And it, that's what really brought through the themes that I work with each, each week. And the beautiful thing, Anna, is that I'm attempting also, or well, not attempting, I am working towards putting it in a, a self-contained online format for those mothers who can't get out the door or live in other, other places, but to really introduce them to some of the important um, learnings that I think that can really help make that transition far more enjoyable and far more realistic in terms of what this path is all about. So we start with understanding how um, parenting in this era is really, really hard, the modern parent and the challenges that we have. And that it needs to be acknowledged. You know, the parenting world of my grandmother's era where their roles were clear, um, they weren't trying to do a whole lot of other things, is very different to the modern mother who has a career, has to be financially viable, has a partner who has needs, all of these different things that women balance. It's a very different world today and, that, and, and the path of the mother is very, very different. Then we look at relationships because when your relationships suck, everything sucks. So 
to start with any relationship, it always begins with ourselves. And we look at, you know, what's your identity in this space? Well, how does it change? What are you feeling? A lot of women feel a sense of loss of identity when they become new mothers. And the message I give to them is it's not a loss of self, it's a loss of a former life, but it's an expansion of self and you're becoming a bigger version of yourself. But with that comes struggle and we lose our confidence. You know, we go from perhaps being quite accomplished in our career to having no idea how our babies work, what their communication means, how to respond. You're in this um, mystery of getting to know your baby and how are you transitioning that you know what sort of messages are you giving yourself as you go through that process then we look at the relationships that are challenging because relationships around us are up for renegotiation what women find prior to having their babies you know they might have had very good friends and then after their babies are born that those relationships change or the relationship with their partner changes or their mother or their mother-in-law all of the relationships are up for renegotiation you are literally a different person once you've had a baby and your needs are very different so being able to navigate that that pathway we look at love languages and keeping our love tanks full Gary Chapman's work so powerful in helping people to stay connected through this time we do know that when um, people have a baby, the rate of separation in that first year post-birth increases quite dramatically and then there's another very tricky period around the age of when children are about five. So being able to keep your relationships strong through that process is really, really important and um, we look at a lot of that. We explore how to do the life balance, you know, how to prioritise what recognising that we can do it all but we can't do it all at once and and that maybe there are certain things that you can do that can make a big difference to your life, things like self-care and health and fitness, those sorts of things. We look at sex after birth and what our bodies are doing. You know, how do you feel about your body after birth? Often after a woman's had a baby, her body changes and how do you feel about those changes? How do you talk about your, your body after you've had a baby, after it's done one of the most magnificent things a body will ever do? And, of course, how that then influences our sexuality. And, you know, I think it's important with sex after birth is that we recognise not just about penis in vagina or, you know, however we show our intimacy and whoever we show our intimacy with, but it, sexuality is, in a much broader sense, is about a woman's expression and her creative expression in a physical sense. Is You know, it's a big part of who we are as women. Um, we look at rituals in families and how, you know, how we want to create certain um, rituals around the values that we hold and, and how to create communities. So we go through lots of different themes each week. But the beautiful thing, I think, um, when you start to explore parenting on this level and not just about, you know, sleeping, getting your baby to sleep, is that we're recognising that it actually starts with us. You know, it really is when parents are good, babies are fine. That's I've always maintained that. I see that all the time. Um, keeping that growth that I think Mother Nature is demanding of us as new parents, where she's unlocking new feelings, new inclinations, new priorities, 
a new aspect of self. She's demanding that woman become the mother and the mother is a bigger version of the woman, like quite literally. She's got bigger tits, bigger ass. She's got bigger everything physically, but she's a bigger version of herself, you know. She's got to step up and that's a beautiful, beautiful um, process to watch unfold but sometimes we can kick and scream and make it very, very hard for ourselves if we don't understand certain things. Wow, beautiful. Well, uh, next week, Tracy, we're talking about sex, so I'm very... Yes, darling, we are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Out of that. Yeah, because yeah. none of us are having uh, uh, as much uh, sex these days after having a baby, so I'm very... <laughs> excited about actually talking. Anna sometimes it's quite the opposite some women get very horny after birth it's not always that way it's really interesting yeah um but there's certainly changes for yeah. sure yeah I'm looking forward to all of this uh, beautiful work Tracy and I'm thinking you know while doing this course now that you're speaking I'm like you know what it's probably so much better that women actually read books and go to courses, whether online or in person, and talk about all of that rather than now that I'm thinking, you know, I should have done that from the beginning rather than reading all of these routines and whatever, because all they did is just freaking stress me out, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 leave women feeling inadequate, Anna. I think that's part of the challenge. You know, when you're getting external input from the world around you, whether it be books or Um, training routines or even the maternal and child health nurses, when we're continually um, projecting information onto a mother or the mother's seeking that information, she's not actually reading herself or her baby. And the mind works that way. We look for answers outside of ourselves. So if our baby's crying, we want to fix it. But actually, it all starts with um, tapping into and connecting with our baby and with ourselves. And that's where the answers lie. And that's a big part of what I'm doing with new parents is helping them to connect with themselves, helping them to connect with their baby and and also their partners and, and their relationships. Because I think if you've got that going, you work out what your baby needs, you know. It's really where it all starts. It starts with connection. Yeah, that's that's really powerful. Thank you. And Tracy, so you say you're working on an online version of the course. When do you expect the course to be, you know, for everyone listening, whenever, whenever they'll be listening to this, uh, when do you think they'll be able to check it out and actually perhaps purchase and go through it? Yeah, by the end of the year. Okay, definitely. so we're talking I've about got- by the end of 2019. Yes, yep. Mm-hmm. And everybody in Australia, Trace is doing these in Canberra. Do you have plans to kind of expand or so well, what's the plan for you in the future, so the next five years? Yeah, look, at the moment I'm training other people to run these programs face-to-face. But I, I really do um, love the, the gathering of women sitting in a circle with their babies and Um, because a big part of what I experience with these groups is not just about what I bring to the group, it's actually what all the other women bring to the group as well. And my goal for all of my families is for them to create community and and the village around them. So that it's wonderful when women get to experience um, very healthy connections with other women going through the same thing at the same time. 
So I'm planning on teaching more people to run these types of groups and doing some training around that. And as part of that will be the online version. And also it's really important to say too, under a big part of the process of people doing this is the relaxations or the meditations that we do at the end because having a bit of quiet still time for a while is is a wonderful way to connect with yourself. And so the relaxations we do at the end of the sessions will be online as well. It's time for tools and resources on Girl Skill. All right, we're coming to the end of the interview. Unfortunately, we could talk about about these things forever, Tracy. But what I'm, we usually at the end of the every episode, I ask um, about some of the people that you would like to recommend and you follow in the books that you also can recommend. So, if you, yeah, who are some of the people in the industry? Or I mean, you can mention anyone; it doesn't have to be related to calm birth, calm parent, or whatever. Like, who are some of the people you respect and admire and follow for us to check out? I think um, one of the, the books that has helped me as a woman go through all of these different phases is the book Women Who Run With Wolves by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. It's, it's a book, it's a very thick book, but I've read it four times. It's the only book in my life I've read more than once or at You'd least twice. You'd be surprised, Tracy. This whole girl skill thing was started basically like is that right? yeah it, it is it is the book uh, that actually, and I always say girlfriends keep running with the wolves and everything yeah. <laughs> so I loved it absolutely that awesome. is my absolute favorite book um when it comes and and even now you know going through menopause I'm going back and reading it I just find it so rich and she's such a wonderful woman to listen to as well um I think I mean, there are a lot of great um, programs in parenting if people are interested, um, the Circle of Security, Aware Parenting, um, the Gottman Institute has some fabulous stuff on emotional intelligence. So a lot of um, what I'm doing with further classes now, if people are interested in, you know, really doing their best as parents, then those sorts of resources are really good. For myself personally, I love listening to On Being with Krista Tippett. That's a podcast I love to listen to. I love the people she gets on there because it's very thought-provoking and anything that causes me to think in a different way, I really appreciate um, the power of that. I think it's important we keep ourselves open to new ways of understanding the world and understanding ourselves. So I love Krista Tippett's work. Yeah, that's probably the key ones. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much, Tracy. And uh, for everyone listening, where can they find more information about you, about Calm Birth, Calm Parent and get in touch or whatever work can they find you online? So Calm Birth Canberra is my website for birthing and there's also calmbirth.com.au, which is the headquarters of Calm Birth. Uh, my other website is Calm Parent dot com dot au and I also have for my therapy the therapy side of things where I support people to um, revisit their own childhood their own thoughts and beliefs is Tracy Anderson com so they're the three key ways people can find me I love it thanks so much Tracy any last words to listeners who are perhaps expecting mothers or thinking about motherhood or our parents already <laughs> What would you like to tell them? I think it, it, when you watch life unfold 
for long enough, you can see that there's perfection in everything. And so whether you're a woman with children, without children, as we age, life tends to just give us exactly what it is that we need. And if we can continue to rise up and continue to grow ourselves and expand and challenge and be okay with the struggles that we have. When you look back, you start to see the perfection that all things have great value and um, serve a great purpose in helping you to realise your full potential. So just grab hold of life. Don't worry about the hardship of it and the struggle because over time you'll start to see that everything has benefit. And insert some flashing in between. Yeah, sure, and, and show your tits occasionally. <laughs> and show your tits occasionally. All right, on this note, uh, we're going to end this interview. Tracy, thank you so much. I wish you all the best. Thank you, Anna. I'll see you next week. Actually, this week you in two days, we're we'll talking about yep. sex. And Let's get into that. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Anna. It's been a pleasure. All right, girlfriends, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Tracy. How awesome is is she? I feel so proud and honored to have interviewed her and to actually be meeting with her every week in our classes, actually on Thursday. Got to go to my class and talk about sexuality this week. So if you like this episode, please, please charge your karmic energy and share it with a girlfriend who is perhaps pregnant and is waiting for a child or is a parent or is thinking about being a parent. Very useful episode, I think. So share this episode straight from the podcasting app or send her to girlskill.com slash 105, 105th episode. Uh, and all of the links and everything Tracy's mentioned in the episode, plus the links of where you can find more about her work and calm birth and calm parent is also going to be at girlskill.com slash 105. All right, girlfriends, keep running with the wolves and I'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Girl Skill. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher to never miss an episode. And never forget that your version of success is uniquely yours to live and experience. Until next time, let's continue redefining female success together. Girlskill.com. Female success redefined.